0: This is the podcast for RUF at AppState. Everyone is welcome and no one is unexpected. For more information, visit us at appstate.ruf.org. Welcome. My name is Rob Heron and I'm a campus minister here with RUF at App, which is where you are. And uh, if this is your first time here, really glad to see you, glad to see each one of you. And we have been going through a series this entire semester that I've been calling Big Questions. Questions are, are really fun. They're very exciting. They interrupt us and put our focus on something else. And the big questions of life, like who am I? What does it mean to be religious? How can I know anything with certainty? These are the kinds of questions that put our focus on what is ultimately important. Questions, they they invite us into an adventure to seek and to find. But my invitation this whole semester has been to see that when we look at these questions through the lens of what the Bible tells us about the character of God... What he's doing, we get something better than even the answers we think we want, which is we get to see him more clearly. So let's look at another big question this week first by reading from the Bible. Genesis two seven. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Psalm one thirty nine thirteen through fourteen. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. John 1, 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us yourself through your word, and you have given us yourself through the body of Jesus. So we pray that we would see him tonight by faith. In your name, amen. As I get older, as I age, as I fall apart, I get really the honor of getting to experience new things, some some really fun new things. One of the, the new things I've been experiencing recently is shaving my ears, which is not something that I ever thought that I would say. It's certainly not something I ever thought that I would do, and it's certainly not... Something that I thought that I would ever be doing once a week because everyone's ears are fuzzy, right? Your ears are fuzzy. But as I get older, I have these long, fun little hairs that are sprouting out of the inside of my ears and on top of my ears like spring flowers. So about once a week, I have to you know, kind of lather up the old lobes with some shaving cream and then just gently brush a razor over them and get those bad boys off. And as I do, I wonder, I wonder to myself, is this all there is? As I I do, I wonder to myself, what is ear hair really for? And I think this kind of question applies to so many aspects of our life having bodies that just seem awkward to us. We look down at our toes and we wonder, why do they look like that? We look at the spots on our skin and we wonder, what is that? We look at so many little quirks and eccentricities about our bodies and we ask what is that for and we are each one of us situated in a moment that is heavily confused about what bodies are and what they're for what is the importance of your body how does your body connect to yourself so in what way is who you are connected to your body are your bodies an expression of some internal reality, or is your body just a bunch of, it's a raw material that you can shape and bend toward whatever direction you want to, like a piece of technology. You're at a point right now as a student where you have essentially stopped growing dramatically. And so you've arrived in a way at what your body is and getting used to that can involve a lot of stress and a lot of shame. But for each one of us, this is not a question that we ask very often, but it is a very, very good question. What are bodies for? What are bodies for? And I want to explore this question tonight from the perspective of the Bible by looking at three things. We're going to look at the identity of bodies. We're going to look at the goodness of bodies and the future of bodies. So the identity of bodies, the goodness and the future of bodies. So first, let's look at the identity of bodies. How does your body again, connect to your identity, who you are? But really, the first question is, what is a body? And the Bible, from the very beginning, tells us that when God made human beings, he made them, he made us as embodied souls, embodied souls. Souls, meaning not just a a body, not just a body like an animal and not just some soul that was floating out in outer space before it's a person, but an embodied soul, a body and the soul together. So you can see there in Genesis 2, 7, this is how the creation of the first people is depicted. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So here at the beginning, God, he scoops up dust or soil and he forms it like an artist. And then he breathes his own breath into the nostrils of the man. And notice it doesn't say that God takes some pre-existing soul out somewhere else and then just throws it down into the baby's body from outer space or something like that. Instead, God is a master artist that animates a person by joining together a body and a soul, an embodied soul. What this directly implies is that you cannot know who you are apart from your body because you are your body. Now, Of course, you're more than your body. You are a, you're a soul. You have a special breath that God breathes into you, which your soul that makes you different than a dog or a horse, but you cannot know yourself apart from your body. You cannot know yourself apart from the experience of being in a body. That's what the Bible is, is telling us here. If you've seen it, the Disney movie Soul It's a fantastic movie, but it separates really far from one another, body and soul. In the movie, Joe's voiced by Jamie Foxx, he falls into a manhole and he dies, and he goes up to the great beyond where, where all of these disembodied souls are, and he so badly wants to get down back into his body that he has to sneak down and accidentally ends up in the body of a cat. And... Another soul that's named 22 ends up in his body. So from the story, from that movie's perspective, you have who Joe is, his soul, and then you have his body. From the Bible's perspective, this is an impossibility. Um, There was no you before your body. You became you When body and soul came together, it was an instantaneous, simultaneous creation of an embodied soul. And these two, body and soul, belong together at the deepest level. They were never meant to be apart from one another. And so in the Bible story, that's why death is such a tragedy, because it does what seems impossible. Tearing apart your body from your soul for, for a time. You were meant to live in your body, to be who you are in your body, because you are a body. You're a body. Just as much as you are your mind, you are your body. And so this means that there isn't some, when we think about a soul, that doesn't mean that there's some airy spirit out there. You, your soul belongs with your body. You know your soul because it's in and part of your body. And if this seems like super religious-y talk, this has massive implications, really towering implications, because it tells us that our bodies tell us who we are. Our bodies tell us who we are. No, your body doesn't tell you everything about who you are. I can't look at you and say, whoa, he's, he has these huge glasses, so he must be really smart. Because anyone with that terrible a vision must be really smart. Obviously, there's more to you than just your body, but never less than that. When you look in the mirror, you are seeing you. You're really seeing you. From the Bible's perspective, our, our bodies tell us very important things about us. I mean, from, for a very weighty example, our bodies tell us who we are as man and woman, as male and female, which is not to deny the con- kind of confusion and unease that we can feel in our bodies. But the Bible's point is a positive one. Your body is not a lie. It's not an accident. It's not incidental to who you are. It shows to you and to the world, you, you were meant to be a body and a soul. But also our bodies tell us whose we are, your neediness, your hunger, and the fact that you have to sleep and the aches. All of it shows you that you belong to God. You're from the dust. You are a creature made by a creator. And so all of your neediness, your bodily neediness is Constantly crying out to you that you belong to God, body and soul. That's the first thing—the identity, identity of our bodies—they tell you who you are and whose you are. Let's look at the second thing: the goodness of bodies. I'm so often embarrassed of my body when I try to comb my hair down and I try to slick it down and it pops up. I feel embarrassed and I feel like I have to apologize for my appearance. When, when my body is awkward in its movement or, or when I look in the mirror and I catch at the right time something strange about my shape, I want to drift into the shadows. But God is not embarrassed by my body. God is not embarrassed by your body. His perspective on your body is the opposite in the extreme. This is what the Bible says about each one of your bodies and the way God views it. That God knit together your body like a master artist. You look there in Psalm 139, where the, the author here brings his adoration to God for how God has made him and his body. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. We picture God's work in making us kind of like a a splatter painter, like throwing stuff on a canvas and being like, yeah, that'll do it, and just kind of moving on. But this is showing God as a master sculptor, painstakingly in the details crafting you so that you are a cause for wonder and reverence, each one of us. So that a guy named John Kleinig, who wrote the book, Wonderfully Made, which I'm really dependent on here, you can see here he writes this. From every point of view, each embodied person is the most amazing visible being on earth. All of God's works are wonderful, but you are wonderful to him in a special way in a universe that is filled with canyons and oceans and the most amazing things that we can picture. And to God, you are so much more wonderfully made. Do you believe this about yourself? Can you believe this? There's a man named Venicio Riva, and he traveled from his home in North Italy a few years ago to the Vatican because the Pope, Pope Francis, was going to hold a public audience. And Riva is a man who has a condition so that his entire life, his body is covered head to toe in these growths and swelling and itchy sores. In an interview, he gave... Just this window into his life It was a story of him getting on a public bus and this is a common experience for him where he got on the bus and he was about to go sit down at the one empty seat there on the public bus. And as he was sitting down, the man next to that seat said, don't sit here, go away, Just get away from me. And there were many people on the bus and no one said anything. But when Reva, when he got with his, he went with his aunt to Vatican City and he got there to this crowd, Pope Francis saw this man, he saw Reva, and he asked him to come forward all the way up to the front so that his aunt, Reva's aunt, said that they got so close and Pope Francis began to move toward them so that she thought, he's actually going to extend his hand to us. He's going to give us his hand, and instead what he did is he pulled Riva, this man who had been told so often, get away from me. He pulled him into an embrace, and he kissed him on his face, and he held him so tightly and so intimately that Riva's aunt said that he, she wasn't sure that she was going to get her nephew back because Pope Francis was seeing past what the, everyone misses, which is that this man is fearfully and wonderfully made. I think a story like this really presses us to ask, do we really think that bodies are good? And if they are good, what makes them good? What makes them wonderful or beautiful? And it really presses us to ask, do we love bodies or do we hate them? I now, mean, on one hand, do we love our bodies too much? Maybe that seems to be the problem because we obsess over bodies. And we pay great attention to our bodies. We touch up and shape and mold our bodies. We enlarge and we flatten and we strengthen and diet and we count intake and we Nutra Boost and we, we take selfies and like responding to our friend's selfies, we say, you're beautiful. And then we take pictures of the progress we made in our fitness and, and in all these ways, it just looks like we, we love our bodies too much, right? We're too obsessed with them. We have too high a view of them. I think no. I think we have far too low a view of our bodies. Our love for our bodies is really a love for what John Kleinig calls the body beautiful, the ideal body, the perfect body that exists in our minds really as an image strengthened by media, but then reinforced by my own craving for it. That's what we love. That's what we are chasing after. And maybe that's why we spend so much time obsessing over our bodies is not because we receive the body that God has given us because we're chasing the body beautiful. We have a, a really, it's really easy for us to chase after that ideal body. It's very difficult for us to love the body actual. Your body that God has given you and crafted with painstaking detail and told you is fearfully and wonderfully made. Really, I think we have a kind of hatred toward our bodies. And that's why we obsess over the body beautiful. And we get frustrated with ourselves and our bodies when they don't reach that ideal. So we push them past their limits and we care more about results than we do about rest. And what we are missing is the warm and powerful embrace of God toward our bodies. We're so embarrassed of our bodies, but God brings us in close and he won't let us go because he crafted with love the body that so often you and I hate. And he calls good the body that we so often treat so badly. Treat so badly even as we we spend excessive attention on it. And he wants you to learn to see your body the way he sees it. He wants your soul to know very well that he is a beautiful God that knit together your body and made it beautiful in his sight. Seeing the identity of bodies and the goodness of bodies. But third, let's look at the future of bodies. What's the future of bodies? What I've said so far, it might make you feel like I'm missing something. And I really am, which is that the reality of living in a broken world. Bodies are good, and yet bodies also experience Brokenness. We bodies break down and they suffer disease and, and injury and they can be wounded. Our brains suffer uh, chemical imbalances that cause us anxiety and depression. And the Bible fully acknowledges that because everything is broken, our bodies experience brokenness. But it's exactly, just exactly in light of that, that the gospel, the story of Jesus is clear and good news for bodies. In John chapter one we can look there. Jesus is called the Word, which is calling him the eternal, forever existing Son of God. In him all things, all of creation was made and for him everything was made. The fullness of God's glory, which is his perfect beauty and honor, all of the fullness of that resides in him. And what John tells us is mind-blowing, because it tells us in verse 14 that the Son of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Son of God, full of glory, became an embodied soul, just like you. And on a Roman cross, he died in his body to break the curse on his world and our bodies and on our souls and raised from the dead. Here's what the gospel tells us that is so earth shattering is that Jesus right now is still in his body. He's raised from the dead and still living in his body. And it's a a body transformed by beauty and glory, but it's also the same body that he cried in and bled in and ate and slept in and and he lived in. God now displays the fullness of his glory through flesh, through a body. Our future hope, your hope, the hope of the entire world lives in a body, Jesus's body. And our bodies are redeemed, what the Bible calls redeemed, savingly purchased for that future. So you look at 1 Corinthians 6 where the author Paul, he asked Christians, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. God has bought and secured with the blood of Jesus, the future of anyone who belongs to him. And that future is in a glorified body. And that future reality that in a body, it starts now. As God puts his greater breath of life, his Holy Spirit into you, he breathes it into you through faith in Jesus so that your body now is a temple, a place of dwelling for God's glory and his presence But what what does this mean? It means that your future with God is in a body, which means that your relationship with God now, knowing him and serving him, always and intimately involves your body, your whole self. So your body, your individual body is more important than you could possibly, again, imagine. One of my friends, when he was in college, he and his roommates lived in this frat-style house And the house was going to be demolished. That was what they knew that the the house was was ending up toward. And so they decided to throw one last bash in the party, invited everyone they knew from all around the town, everyone at every college ever came to this party. And there was a live punk band playing. And the, the party was so rowdy and the crowd was so dense that the floor started to buckle and it got so intense. And people were going so wild that they started shattering things on the floor and people started punching holes holes through the drywall. Can you imagine that? It's crazy, right? And in that moment, though, it made sense because the future of the house was demolition, right? The morning after, they found out that the home actually was destined for slight renovation, <laughs> not demolition. So that was fun for them. But... And that, I mean, compare that kind of treatment of this house to the way you would treat a home that you have your future in. Mary Lee and I, when we found out that she was pregnant with Faye, we looked at our home with with even more of of a sense of duty and a desire to care for it. Because this is the home where our family's future is. So we care for it. Because your future is embodied, you are called to care for your body. Each one of us has a duty or a calling to respect our bodies exactly because your future is in it. Uh, Not because we are pursuing some false ideal of what our bodies should be, but because that is where you are going to live forever. Because it matters to God that much, it should matter to you. And so because of that, we are to care for and tend to our bodies, not just through exercising, but through rest and through respecting our bodies' limits and not getting frustrated when they need to rest. Being gentle with our bodies. To care for it, not to reach the body beautiful, but because God's purpose for your body is beautiful. So care for your body. Do not hate your body. But toward what end? What is God's purpose for our bodies? redeemed by God, your body becomes his instrument for love. That's what he wants for your body, for it to become his instrument for love. You are not your own. Your body is and your soul is not ultimately for you. It is for God. It's his artwork to display to the world his beauty and his compassionate love. So he has purchased you body and soul for himself so that through you here in this room, you would know that you have been called bodily to this room to love the people who are in their bodies in this room right now. He wants you to be where your body is and to see that is where you're called to be, because where else can you be than where your body is? And this is as simple as going up to someone and looking them in the eyes and giving them bodily attention. But it's just as profound as that. Because what does God want for you? And when you think of what can I offer back to God for what he's done for me? It's your body. Because it's good. And because he has a beautiful purpose for it. But at the end... God's purpose is this. At the end of the Bible, we're given this vision of hope for every individual and for the whole world. And it's this that we will, in our bodies, see Jesus face to face. And we make a mistake and we miss the meaning here when we kind of over spiritualize that and say, okay, what that means is that one day, in some spiritual way, I'll be really close with Jesus. but no, this means what it says. It act, this is a place where it really does actually just mean what it says. It means that one day we will bodily see Jesus face to face, physically, in a glorified way, but in a real bodily way. And when Jesus turns his face toward you, he will see. And so right now he, he does see not an embarrassment, not a disappointment, But he is filled with pride, the pride of an artist who looks and knows that what he is is working on is his masterpiece. What are bodies for? What is your body for? It's for him. So offer it to him. Let me pray.